0: the first day. Welcome to Conversing with the Text. I'm Michael Ware, pastor of Holly Ridge Presbyterian Church in Blacksburg, South Carolina. And uh, we are uh, in episode four this week. We are in the book of Genesis, as we just read. That was Genesis. One one through five. We covered um, last week. We covered uh, day one, or the first part of day one, and and we we covered that by going through verse one, all of first one. And this week we will be looking at uh, two through five. Last week we talked about God creating, and as a consequence of His creating, uh, that He was or He is uh, sovereign Lord over all creation, all things. Um, so. You know, this week, we will see that Moses points out the Trinity to us. From these verses, we'll see that the three persons of the Godhead working together to form our universe. But before we get started, I want to invite you to like and share this podcast and be looking for more content to come. Um, In verse 2, we are introduced to the Holy Spirit. So we have this picture of the Spirit hovering over the creation. And, you know when when we think about that we we should think about uh, heaven and earth as a real thing right so you know last week we we dealt with with god and you know how we should see uh and how we should defend god you know we we, we should presuppose god in everything that we talk about and do so um you know but now we we want to see that that when God when it says God created the heavens and the earth uh, those are real things right because what we'll do is we'll begin to think of the spirit God uh you know God Yahweh as as this this spirit and heaven is you know just it's not a real place but but that's not true <laughs> you, you can't go to an unreal place so, so Wrap your mind around the idea that God in day one created his heavenly abode. So the place, his his throne room, as it were. And we're gonna see, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it being a temple or a sanctuary uh as we go through the the rest of the text. This is a real place. God created heaven and earth. So we're you know, there's a sense in which we're going to see that the expanse uh, the heavens, you know there's going to be multiple places called heaven and, and the reason is is it's it's you know a shadow the sky is a shadow of, of you know, God's heavenly temple and and so it's named that and we, we're going to see these three parts of, of creation and all this as we go. but the thing that I want you to understand, I want you to get in your head this there is there is a heaven. And it is a real place, and it really exists. So it's not. It's not this. Um, you know, it, it, I don't. I don't want you to get. I don't want you to get in this. This idea that it, that it wasn't created. You know, It, it is a place just like the earth, just like the universe, and and it exists outside of that. So here we have all of creation. Right, all of creation, everything that it contains. So, so let's let's back up a second because you need to understand this. The, the Hebrew doesn't have a word for like universe. Uh, so, cosmos uh, in the Greek, you know, would be world uh, or universe or you know all of creation. And so, when we say when the Hebrew says heaven and earth, what it's telling us is everything. God created the universe. He created everything that, that the universe contains. And so now we have the universe in in and, and it's condensed and it's covered with water. The earth is contained in that. And then on the outside of that we have heaven. And we have the the Holy Spirit hovering over hovering over the the creation. He's he's hovering over, right the the creation. He's in the uh, glory cloud um, that you know we'll we'll see later in in Revelation, uh, in the in, in biblical Revelation, not the Book of Revelation. We see uh, the glory cloud there. So what is he doing? You know what is the Holy Spirit doing? Well, Calvin and Henry both say that the Spirit is pictured in the Hebrew as blowing, fluttering, or vibrating the creation. And so it gives this picture, it's this a brooding, you know, like a like a bird broods over her chicks or over her eggs. And so what's happening is is the Holy Spirit is vivifying creation. He's preparing it uh, to to bring forth life. And and we need to understand that that the Holy Spirit is a person He's not here pictured as a force or anything like that, but we do see that um, that he is connected to wind and uh, blowing this pneumatic understanding of, uh, you know, that's where we get, that's where we, you know, Namos is where we get that picture from. Um. And so the earth has no shape and no content. It's without form and void. Um, so the... So that God was taking hold of his creation to change this condition. Now, what's going on is, is the, the the heavenly throne room encircles the creation, and God in his glory cloud, the Holy Spirit's, you know, hovering over and and is breathing life. You know, that's the picture. He's breathing life into the creation. Right? He's gonna, he's gonna blow on man, he's gonna blow into man's nostrils. The breath of life, right? That, that. See, here he's he's vibrating, he's brooding over, he's he's energizing the world, so that when he says, you know, let land come, let let you know trees grow up, um, or you know, come from the earth. This is where that that comes from. The Holy Spirit is is making it alive. He's bringing it. Uh, to life, now the best pattern to see this, or the the best way that we see this, is how he is actually uh, working in in the church. So he's taking hold and he's bringing change. He's changing what's there, um, and he does this in his church and in in and in his elect. So what we what we'll see is is there's points and times in history where God. Uh, takes his people, and he, gre- he takes hold of them, and he begins to change them. And the best way that we see this is he does this as we corporately worship together. When, when we're in worship together, God is taking hold of us, and through his word and through his Holy Spirit, he is changing us. He is, he is cutting out things, and he is rearranging things, and he's washing us, and he's remaking us. And so this is, the, this is the pattern that we see. He takes the, the dead who, who have no spiritual good in them at all, right? And he begins to make them alive as the Spirit blows into their formless hearts. John 3, 7 and 8 say, Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is what God does, right? You have to be born again. You have to be born again. So, so what has to happen is God the Holy Spirit has to take hold of you, and He has to breathe life into you so that then you can receive the Word of God and believe it, and believe it. It's not just that, see, because I think that we, we've really messed up the idea of faith, uh, to, to be honest with you, I think if you listen to a lot of teachers today, faith is just this simple believing. You just, you just have to believe that Jesus uh, is the Christ and that He died for our sins and raised uh, from the dead, and that just simple intellectual ascent will get you to heaven. And I, I think that that is, a, that is a bad way to look at it. Now, yes... The Bible does present it as that simple. You believe these things. you. But see, you, you, you also, if, you, if you use that only as your definition, then the problem you're going to have is you're going to leave out what Paul tells us later in Romans, right? We're going to go through Romans Road. Well, let's use all of it. He says that uh, with the mouth you confess after you've believed with your heart. So you're, you believe in your heart, and then and then you confess with your mouth. So there has to be this belief. But now what we're going to see when we get to the creation of man uh, and, and woman in Genesis 2, there is, there is this need of absolute childlike trust. Because, because we, we don't often think about the fact that Jesus Christ had faith. Jesus Christ had faith. And that faith was a perfect resting in God faith, right? Like a child. When when you tell a three-year-old that will burn you, right? and and if they' if they if you know if you've been a good parent and they trust you, then they will not touch those things, right? That just because daddy said so, it's true. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about Jesus said these things and no matter the consequences, I'm going to live according to those things. That's faith. That's faith. That, you know, it's, it's not just believing a historical event happened, right? But believing everything that Jesus has said, right? So that's why in Matthew you know, 28, uh, 18 through 20, we're told uh, that we're to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that Christ has said all he has said from Genesis to Revelation, and, you know, he's with us always. So it is a, not just a, it's not just God takes hold of us and makes us believe that in 33 AD Christ died and raised again and now is seated in the heavenlies, but, but that we also can and are seated in the heavenlies, and we worship him according to his word, And we believe what His Word tells us about life, about wisdom, about sin. And we live according to those truths. Um, So that's my soapbox for this week, I guess. So so just as the Spirit took hold of creation and began to prepare it to live, He does the same with the elect. He prepares them to come to life and receive the light, which is what we see in verse 3. So God brings the light, which is a picture of the true light, Jesus Christ. Uh, so, so this is this is Christ shining light on the creation, and notice what is happening. The Father has chosen to create; the Spirit brings life, and then the Logos brings light. So we we can see uh, from this a clear picture of how God was going to save the lost. But we also need to understand too that there is a sense in which God brings Christ brings light to all men. Uh, you know. Romans, Romans 1 tells us this very thing. Roman, Romans 1 tells us this very thing because Paul, if I can get there, Romans 1 tells us uh, that, that we all have light, right? We, we all have this light. Um, well, let's, let's, start in, let's start in John because that's, that's probably the better place to start. In John 1. Right? We are told that Christ is the light of the world. He, he is the light which, uh, verse 9 says, that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as receive him to them, he gives the light to become, the right to become children of God, rather. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So then Paul tells us that, um, starting in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, be, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So what, what we can do is we can take these two, these two uh, sections of Scripture and we, we can see how this all works because we are told by Paul that, that the creation reveals that there is a God and that, that who this God is. So it's not just that man has a knowledge of God, which would be enough, right? That would be enough to can, condemn him. But they know, as R.C. Sproul said once, they know who that God is. They know it's Yahweh. They know it's the God of the Bible. They know it, and they hate it. They hate it because it reveals their sinfulness. It, it, it reveals the darkness of their darkness, you know, it reveals how dark their darkness is. And so instead of, instead of receiving this light and rejoicing in it and being thankful, that's the problem, they're not thankful, they rather have tried to replace God with, with images of animals and four-footed creatures and men and men. And so what they do is they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. This light, they reject it. They reject it because they're dead. And because they're dead, they hate God and they reject this light. So why? It's why they they have to have the spirit working first to bring life. So I want you to think about this just for a second. So if God would have, if God would have brought the light on the creation and it shines in the darkness, but yet, but yet did not have the spirit. Vivifying the creation, there would have been no life. Have, the light would have not would not have brought life. The light would not have brought life, and so we have to have both operating. So again, you know, as we pointed out, this is this is God the Father choosing to create the Spirit, bringing life, and the Logos bringing light. Um, we we see this clearly as. As the mode in which God saves people. Now I'm going to make make it very clear. I'm not trying to uh, set out a, an order of uh, a, you know an order of salvation necessarily. Uh, I don't want to get into that argument. I don't think that's I don't think that's profitable. What we know is the Spirit has to make us alive, and we we have to have the combination of that and the Word. It's the only way we can be saved. Um, and and so I, so for like for me, for example, for 24 years. Over and over and over again, God would shine His light through His Word on me. The, the Logos would be given to me over and over and over again, but I would not accept it. I rejected it. I, I, you know, I I just wasn't. I I wasn't. I was dead because the Spirit wasn't present. But then, but then one Sunday morning, you know, go to a church and I hear the Word of God through a faithful preacher. And God, God's Spirit makes me alive, and and that's and that's that's the difference. That's the difference. So, lastly, I want to talk about the pattern of days, clearly being defined for us in the first day. And we've talked about uniformitarianism and and the problems that we see in, in the way most of the church today uh, understands Genesis chapter one and what's being said there. And this, uh, you know, you know, the, just the plain rejection. Of the clear meaning of the text, you know, here's a day, here's another day, here's another day, you know, nowhere, nowhere in the, nowhere in the text are we, is it indicated that we should take uh, day in the first instant to be different from the day in the second instance, and you know, these long days or uh, epochs or the gap theory or any of these other uh, things that people have tried to to do so that they can. Show themselves to be, you know, scientific, and uh, and try to bring <clears throat> the text into conformity with with what scientists tell us. Um, it just it doesn't it doesn't fit. In fact, the very opposite thing uh, can be seen in this first day. So we we are told that the sep- that God separated the light from the darkness, uh, and and that and that that separation is day and night. Right then, we are told that there was this separation. Right as evening and morning, that did happen. That did happen. So you know, we're told, and there was evening and morning the first day. You know, so then then the days enumerated. Well, in this enumeration, it's it it is done this way for us to uh, understand what's trying to be conveyed. But what what literally is being said is one day in the Hebrew. It's literally. There was evening and there were morning one day, right? And and so and the reason is that God is not just telling us that there was one day, that this this that this was the very first day, that is being said, it's being conveyed. But what is what God is really doing is he's defining what that one day is. So he's saying, I've separated light from darkness. The, the light is day, the darkness is night. So evening and morning make one day. And that's and that's what that's the information being conveyed. Now I'll go into a lot deeper detail with this in my sermon series. So you can check that out on, on YouTube. Uh, it's Holly Ridge Presbyterian Church. And uh, you, you, can, you can see the full argument uh, as I as I present it uh, on uh, the fourth uh, sermon uh, in in no the third sermon in, in Genesis. Um, this is the fourth episode because we had an introductory episode, so that I got off. But uh, So God is telling us <clears throat> that this is the definition of one day. And also notice that the pattern fits. There, there was darkness at the beginning of the day, and then God brought light. So he's not only, he's not only shown, say, telling us that there was morning and evening, he has shown us what, what that means. <clears throat> at the beginning of the Hebrew day is darkness. The evening brings the new day. And there was darkness at the beginning of our first day, and so then, then 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 he brings light. That's the day, and that's the daytime. And uh, so, uh, so we we began to see that. And then 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 he changes the way that Moses lists the day, and it, and it points out the fact that this is a cardinal number. This number is setting a pattern for us. It it is defining and setting a pattern for us. All this points to a common. 24-hour day, and again, I'm going through this really quickly because you know I'm trying to limit the the time on on how much I spend on each section of of scripture, and I and I give a fuller a fuller uh, definition in in the as I preach through it. So, um, so but we should be amazed at all that this uh, passage points us to, or rather, sets our eyes for. We. We're gonna go as we go through the rest of Genesis, and then as we look at even the the text of of other passages in, in the uh, in the Bible, there's we're gonna see these patterns repeated. We're gonna see these things over and over and over again, showing us uh, what it is God's doing. It's gonna bring our minds back uh, to these things. Next week, we will see that God multiplies through dividing and. Um, I hope that uh, you have enjoyed our conversation this week. Don't forget to like and share and also rate and comment this podcast so we'll be able to get more traffic. Last of all, go check out our Holly Ridge YouTube channel, which is Holly Ridge Presbyterian Church. Holly Ridge is two words. And uh, check out our Facebook page. Um, Hopefully you can find encouragement there. And you also can find our Facebook uh, live um, sermons. Right? So you can get you get the sermon either through YouTube or, or Holly Ridge uh, Facebook page. As always, I hope uh, God will bless you and that you will worship with a faithful church this week and every week. Much love.